to be motivated, to be driven and to drive towards my goals than just anger. Mm -hmm. And so it, I, it never held me back. It always fueled me forward, but it was still very toxic. Yes, well said. Anger can be a great motivator, but it's it's still a negative emotion, right. ultimately. It's not healthy no. right. to right. run on this fuel all the it's time. It's a cancer. If you let it just eat at you and eat at you, it, yeah. you know. It's like running on carbs the entire time. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. there's yeah. a better option here. <laughs> you don't have to be angry all the time. <laughs> yeah. It can work, but there's a better option. Yeah. I got superpowers, superpowers. I got superpowers. Seven days a week and 24 hours. Yeah, I got the business saying this boy sure is up to something. Why don't you come and listen? Just don't hit the power button. They say I'm crazy when I say I got them superpowers. 24 7 hour every day and every hour. Yeah. Where I wanted to start off with was how does it feel that combined you had the entire population of New Zealand dialing into your advice and thoughts and fears? and everything else in between? Well, for me, it's, it's first of all, the greatest honor of my life. I, it, just to, to be honest about it it's, it, it's an honor I never thought that I would uh, enjoy or be worthy of. And then, but then a very close second is it's a huge responsibility because uh, anybody who watches YouTube much knows that there are certain trigger topics that you can make a video about and get a million views, right? And so uh, there are some people in, in our sphere of influence who will do that. Uh, make another apple cider vinegar video or another lemon water video or another green drink video. And they're not helping anybody, but yet they're getting a million views. And so I, I tried very early on just because of my upbringing and other things and also Nisha's constant vigilance of me not being a douche uh so like you know is this yeah it's going to get a ton of views but is it going to help anybody and so we've always kind of put our video ideas through this filter of okay i obviously want a lot of people to watch my videos of course but also it needs to be helpful it needs to be understandable it needs to be immediately applicable to people's lives and uh just this morning i was reading about a new study i was like "Ooh, this would be a great video and as i was reading the study it turns out it's a it's a fruit fly study hmm. and so i guarantee you there will be five or 500 new youtube videos about this study showing that blah 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 and they'll they'll leave out either because of ignorance or convenience that it was of studying fruit flies, which may or may not be applicable to human beings, which most people who watch YouTube are human beings and they actually want to know what's relevant to human beings. So I won't I won't be making that video because I can't I can't apply that to people's lives. Well, I suppose this is a great little segue because the, the reasons for inviting you both on is this incredible purpose partners, power couple, whatever you want to call it, was somewhat selfish because we were super excited to hear about the pregnancy journey and the accomplishments that you've both had in the last few years after overcoming Hashimoto's uh, hypothyroidism and, and a lot of other challenges in between. And for context, for those who haven't heard of Anna and I's story, Anna and I, to this point, have had 19 
consecutive miscarriages of which three of those have been ectopics. And we, there's more detail around why that happened. And that related to some systemic childhood sexual abuse that Anna went through uh, growing up in Russia and two illegal abortions that took place, uh, one of which that damaged her uterine wall. And we thought that that was it. And we thought that that was the reason. We thought that if we could fix the uterine wall, then that would be the solution mm -hmm. to our, our challenges. And, well, then, and then they did a dry fasting, 95 hours dry fasting, no water, no food, no, not even shower. And actually my uh, endometrium grown from three millimeters to 14 millimeters, confirmed by the scan before and after. But then again, it continued to happening and we were like, something else is happening. And so just recently this, this year, I found out that I have a hypothyroidism similar to you, Nisha. Um, we, we're just waiting on confirmation that that Hashimoto's is involved. It was diagnosed by the the moon shape face and going through a lot of deep history. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, sure that, that you'll resonate with this. We'll know in the next few days. In fact, I just did a full hormone panel, like okay. full on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a very long winded backstory, but it's, it's important in this context because the reason we wanted to invite you on is that we know that we're going to solve this challenge and this baby's going to be a bigger comeback than Lazarus. And we know that other people have gone through and are going through similar challenges. And we just wanted to get your thoughts and ideas about that journey that you had. Um, and what do we need to know that you wish you knew early on? I would say I'm so proud of you guys for talking about this. It needs to be talked about more. I probably should talk about it more, but I, I it feels almost like you're by yourself, even though you know there's other women out there struggling. It still yeah. feels like, is there anyone who needs to hear this? Maybe I'm just, are people going to feel like I'm complaining? That sort of thing. But it's really important that you and I both share our stories. And the one I think one thing a lot of people who have an autoimmune disease miss out is the trauma factor mm -hmm. as a risk factor and um, stress being uh, something that will keep you ill. So um, addressing the stresses and past traumas along with food, obviously sleep, lifestyle habits, um, that's a very important part that gets left out a lot of time when we're talking about autoimmune diseases because the food is so powerful that it's almost so easy to just focus on, well, just change your diet, decrease inflammatory foods, eat meat-based, eat plenty of animal fats. Um, but if you are still holding on to all of that trauma and stress, that can keep you in a state of sickness even if you're doing all the right things when it comes to food and stuff. So that's what I wish I would have known back then. People really didn't talk about root causes. They're, they were mostly, you know, do the AIP elimination diet, stop eating dairy, stop eating gluten. That was the main things you heard about. But really, the more I talk to other women who have autoimmune diseases, it seems like when they address those root causes, like the stress and the trauma, along with the diet, that's when things 
start to really heal from the feet up, right? So I wasn't prepared to get pregnant. Bonnie was a total surprise because we did go through IVF to get pregnant with Beckett, which is stressful in itself. Um, and it's not a guarantee and you're spending all this money. And I knew I didn't want to go through that again. So we had had a discussion maybe six weeks before, eight weeks before I got the confirmation I was pregnant where I was like, I'm not doing IVF again. I'm fine with Beckett. We're very blessed. Let's move forward with our life. And then eight weeks later, I was in denial and finally took a pregnancy test. And I still didn't believe that I took like five or six pregnancy tests, but what happened in that year before I got pregnant was a lot of healing and growth mentally mm -hmm. where I'd been eating meat based for five years at that point and still hadn't all gotten pregnant. Right. But that year before I got pregnant with Bonnie, I really practiced stoicism and letting things go and this, I cannot control this, but I can control my emotions about this just really trying to get my mind healthy along with my body. And I think that I can't prove that that had a lot to do with it, but it definitely in my eyes had a lot to do with it. There's so many different questions. Um, can I, well, nature, I want to ask you about can in terms of me in the supporting role, what, what are the things that I can do and what, and what can other spouses and partners do to support their, their partners in this health and healing journey? Well, every husband has a different style and every relationship is different. Me and Ken are very um, brutally honest with each other. And so he just would tell me to my face when I was getting upset about something that like, okay, well, what do you want to do about that? And <laughs> be like, I don't know. I'm just upset. And he's like, okay, but you can't do anything about it. So just get over it. <laughs> and that may not work for you too, but coming to a place where whatever she says, you're allowed to say to bring her back to baseline, to remind her of where she needs to be going with her emotions. Yeah. That's the best way. And every, like I said, that's going to look different for you guys than it would for us just because different people will have different personalities and that's totally normal. But that response to her in those moments of maybe she's super stressed out about, you know, the oven isn't working or the car broke down or any outside factor that she has no control over, just reminding her that let it go. You know, you can't yeah. control that. We can only control us and the, and reminding her of what the goal is for you two. And the goal is to get her as healthy as possible. You two as healthy as possible as a partnership and eventually get that sweet baby. And that just, we weren't trying to get pregnant, but in him doing that, it did bring me to a place where it takes a lot to get me worked up now. <laughs> yeah. And let me add to that, yeah. uh, that kind of using that kind of straightforward language, it took, us years of peeling away layers of self-defense that we had both built up mine my my self uh, go-to self-defense mechanism was deception that's just what it had worked for me my entire life hers was just to be uh you know an rbf standoffish kind of introvert 
And so we just lovingly yet persistently just kept, she would peel away my layers and I would peel away her layers. And so then this came from, uh, we finally got down to what we think is the foundational definition of each other. And when you have that and you trust the, the other person with that foundational understanding of who you are, that gives you a degree of liberty so when I would say something like that, because, you know, some people listen to this and be like, well, what an asshole, right? But, but that, that would only, that's only possible when she, when, when I say words, she knows me mm -hmm. to the core and she knows that I'm not being an asshole. I'm not being, a, you know, an asshole. I am saying what she, what I think she needs to hear at that time to, to, to reframe whatever the situation is. And so it, it, you know, so many of these things depend on an untold number of variables, where you're at in your relationship, how healthy is your relationship, how strong is it? Uh, and so, you know, there are definitely are relationships out there where the man definitely should not say what I said to Nisha. That will not work and it will not go well. And, you know, it could lead to other problems. But one thing I want every man in every relationship to know is that, your health and what you eat absolutely matters when it comes to reproductive health. So often women are kind of shackled with the, the tyranny of, oh, this is all on you, whether you get pregnant or not. And there are so many men out there who are just eating a crap diet, yeah. drinking too much alcohol, living a stupid lifestyle. And that is directly affecting the chances of this partnership becoming pregnant. And, but there are a lot of men who just think, oh, that's, that's her thing. I don't know. You know, I'm just going to drink my beer and eat my Cheetos. And I don't, I mean, we can't get pregnant. I don't know what's wrong with her. And that's uh, absolutely the wrong mindset to have going into this. Uh, at the very least, you should be eating a super healthy diet in support of her. We know that for sure. But then also more and more research is coming out every day that sperm count, sperm mobility, sperm robustness, all those things are directly related to a man's diet, to his lifestyle, to his sleep, to everything, all that. And so, you know, there are a lot of women carrying this huge, heavy burden of I can't get pregnant when it's his damn fault the whole time. Well, it takes two, right? Absolutely. It's, it's a team effort. So it's a, like you said, a lot of times it's put on the woman and the man is like, I'll be supportive, but I'm going to continue to do all the things that I'm doing and I'm healthy. I'm fine. No one has told me I need to do anything different. So I'm not going to change anything. But for the most part, I think people watching this are probably not in that category. <laughs> no, I, I, I really love it. I agree with you. I can, when you, when you build those kind of relationships where you can be absolutely direct with your with your uh, partner and when you come from the place of love not just judge judgment but love it makes a huge difference what i love about laban is he was always next to me when i was going through pregnancy losses and um i just i was wondering nisha whether you had this moment like i did um when I couldn't get pregnant and, and then I would get pregnant and then I would lose the pregnancy, I felt like I I would lose Laban. 
I was blaming myself and I was developing this anxiety that he gonna leave me because you know and go and make a baby with someone else like did you have anything and if you did how did you no but that that's mostly because that wasn't something that was put on me as a pressure because Ken already had children from mm. previous marriage so it was like it wasn't on me to give him that you know and mm. we were trying to have a baby together and I think Laban probably feels that way too he doesn't want just a kid he wants y'all's kid you're mm. a baby together and so that was just how I saw it for us together it's like he doesn't want just a baby he wants our baby and whether or not that comes or it doesn't come doesn't change us as a partnership and we had other goals in life as well and I I'm a very realistic person when it comes to like I look ahead what's the worst thing that can happen and what am I going to do so my whole thing was like okay well if I can't get pregnant I have a million other things I want to do with him we'll travel the world mm. you know I have my step kids that I love very, very much and I'm active in their lives. And I just wouldn't let that be this thing that took me over because we were more than just making a baby together. Our marriage is because of us and our kids are the icing on top of the cupcake because one day, you know, the kids will leave, but we'll still be together. Right. And so that's just how I always looked at it. It was, it was not, something that burdened me. I was um, just, I'm, that's just my personality. I can, I can always look past what I want to see the other side of the coin. Like if I don't get that, there's always this, this is, there's a beautiful life ahead anyways. Um, but then we were very blessed with Beckett and then with Bonnie. That's I love it. I love it. I think just going back to the trauma healing component, Nisha, and I, I certainly wouldn't expect you to reveal anything you weren't comfortable with. But when Anna and I got together, um, I was 38 and I've lived a life of degeneracy and and uh, I put it all in a book and put it out into the world so no one could ever hold it against me. But I said to Anna before before the book was out, you can ask me anything you want about my past as long as you are happy to hear the answer. I didn't realize that she was going to take me up on it. And boy, howdy, did she go to town. But what, what happened, and this is in the first few months of our relationship, is that it, I was forced to reveal some things about my history and my past that were very shameful to me at the time. But And, and really, one or two of them almost sort of ended things. But once, once we got over that and Anna realized that it was not that much of a big deal and it had this amazing foundation of trust that we built and it was a year later that Anna revealed to me about the 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 sexual abuse that took place and I was only the second person in her yeah, entire life to, to know that and so that's that's how that healing journey started I you know you, you mentioned stoicism and and letting things go is there any other things or practical applications that you can remember that were really instrumental in helping you heal mostly uh, it was just acknowledging that i'm the person giving those past traumas power hmm. that it's within my power to take that power away and 
realizing that I also I'm just not the kind of person that's going to be a victim I always want to be a victor mm-hmm. and so that's some that's an that's just my personality and anytime any past trauma felt like it was interfering with what I wanted it made me angry and made me push past whatever pain and I'm not saying I'm perfect like there's still a few things that I have from day to day, I have to remind myself, I have all the power. This doesn't have any power over me. I'm blessed. I am grateful. And we're not going to let this take hold of this day. And I just take every day, one day at a time. And if you do that, then it's it's easier than saying, I have to let this go for the rest. If I ever think about this again, that I'm failing, but it's not like that. It's you have to take baby steps and meditation. Um, some people meditate for different reasons. I call it um, brain exercise and flexing the muscle of recentering your thoughts. So I don't like meditate and, and say different things or it's just the practice of me thinking nothing. And when something creeps in, pushing it back, pushing it back mm-hmm. so that when I'm going about my day and a negative feeling comes, I can know that in my conscious brain instead of letting it creep in. And before I know it, I'm spiraling through something that happened five years ago <laughs> and I'm upset about something that I can't change. And you, so the minute it creeps in, I'm like, I don't want to think about that. I'm going to go do something productive or I'm going to go work or I'm going to go play with the kids or whatever. And that's really the core to success for me was just realizing I have the power. And the more you worry and stress and let past things hurt you, you're giving those other people power. And I don't want them to have any power. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to, I want to forget that they existed. And I have like many things. I, I am good. I'm done. There's just a few things that I still have some days where I'm like, you know what? I really would love to be petty right now. <laughs> but I'm, I'm moving past and I take every day. And every day that I'm not petty, I count as a win. So. And this is something the years that I am exceedingly proud of Nisha to have watched that that muscle grow in her over the years because it that used to be a problem and to watch her literally go inside of her own mind and and heart and soul and tinker and and fix things and 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 to realize and I think this might be a useful thing for other people who who are victims of trauma either crime or just you know abuse is that those people, and she kind of hinted at this, they've probably already forgotten about you. For them, that wasn't a big deal at all. They don't, they might even not even think they did anything wrong. Right. Yeah. But yet here you are still crippling your your future, focusing on whatever that event was, and still giving them power, power that they don't need and probably don't even want because they're, they've moved on to the next project. They're not even thinking about that. And you're still handing them power and they, they've got their back turned to you. They don't even remember you potentially. And to watch her grow like that, to for, it was almost crippling at times for her to be thinking about the past so much. And now for her to watch her grow in that, that respect and just bloom into somebody who's all about the present and the future. And every now and then the past will grab her by the ankle 
but it doesn't hold on for long because she kicks it off and go, comes right back to the present and the future. The real problem for me was it wasn't holding me back. I would use it as fuel. My anger, like I will show these people how yep. wrong they were about me and how, you know, I'm look at me now and I'm going to nursing school and now I'm an LPN and now I'm an RN and I'm going to get my NP and I'm going to show these people. And I felt that was good that anger to push me forward and drive me. I used it as a driving force. That was like my coping mechanism, right? But it, it took me till I was with Ken to see that that actually was still holding me back by act, being angry and using that as fuel, that that wasn't my only fuel. There were other ways to be motivated, to be driven and to drive towards my goals than just anger. Mm -hmm. And so- it, I, it never held me back. It always filled me forward, but it was still very toxic. Yes, well said. Anger can be a great motivator, but it's it's still a negative emotion, right. ultimately. It's not healthy no. right. to right. run on this fuel all the it's time. It's a cancer. If you let it just eat at you and eat at you, it, yeah. you know. It's like running on carbs the entire time. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a better option here. <laughs> you don't have to be angry all the time. Yeah. It can work, but there's a better option. Yeah. When I when I wrote my book in uh, in 2020, it was one of the most cathartic healing experiences of my life, and I and I would have and I'm getting emotional thinking about it now. I had periods where I wept, uh, and and afterwards had this huge release. And I I'm curious to know, Ken, you know, you've written this incredible book, Lies My Doctor Told Me. And Nisha, is there a book being put away as we speak? Um. Yes. Yeah, we're, I'm, I've been talking about it for years. And actually, the inspiration behind, well, I have two books that I want to do. One is like, not serious, and one is serious. But the inspiration behind the serious one is uh, Jordan Peterson has a writing course. Um, I can't even remember what it's called. Future Self, it's, I think, is it called? Yes. Yeah, thank you, right. Future and Authoring or Future Self or something, yeah. Right. And his very first assignment is to write about your trauma, like the worst thing, your worst memory, and to write it in 100% honesty. And the like, I did that. I didn't take his course, but I heard him talking about that being the first one. And so I did that. And it's so interesting to see how your brain remembers things and then how your brain feels after you've poured something like that off into a page. Even if you don't publish it, like you said, it's very cathartic. Cathartic? Cathartic, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And um, if that's helpful for you as a person, there's probably someone else out there that it would be helpful for too. I'm sure your book has done that for other people, but it's hard to talk about things when you're like, these, they, these are real people in my stories and they have families and they, their families have kids. And so you have to be very smart about how you talk about things like you are in your book but still be able to get the point across like these things happen this is where it went now I'm here those type of things so yeah one day maybe there's well, a lot to tell <laughs> I have a I have a challenge for it because what what I did is I deliberately left the names of people out when I was talking about um it was not at all from a place of victimhood at all it was right. this is what I've done left those names out and and celebrated and included the names of people that were instrumental in my healing journey. You still won't please everybody. And I, 
you know, my trauma is nothing more innocuous than being a child of divorce, right? And and the the associated custody bells, like, like not that you should ever compare, like Jordan Peterson says, but compared to what Anna went through is just not even in the same ballpark. But one of the things that I'm very good at this year is uh, I'm affectionately known as the world's best courage coach. And, and I teach people how to take bold, massive and courageous actions so that they can facilitate their own miraculous outcomes. And my encouragement to you and Ken to support Nisha in this is I want you to think about who is the dream person to write the forward for your book. And if you know who that is, let me know right now. But if you don't, and it's not your nana, it's not, you know, your friend down the road, it's someone who can add yeah. a lot of credibility. Do you know, do you know who that person is? My dream person? Like if I could just pick anybody that's Dolly Parton, probably. So, so now I want to pose a challenge because you guys are in Nashville, right? Yeah. The the people, the circles that you're in with the the impact that the 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 YouTube channels have got and the impact that you know the people you're kicking around with, you're about one degree of separation from Dolly Parton. But you you can't go to Dolly Parton without a finished book. So my quick my my challenge for you, Nisha, is to ask yourself this question: Who do I need to be in order for Dolly Parton to want to write the forward for my book? And and I don't know Dolly Parton personally, but I would be willing to bet that the very same reason that you chose to can't come on our humble podcast when you've got three plus million subscribers on, probably more, is because you like to serve. And it would be the same with Dolly. Who can she serve by endorsing a book? And the encouragement that I would give you is to put it all in the book. Don't hold anything back because when, I don't know if you guys know Les Brown, the motivational speaker. I've heard of him. So if he was a hero, he is a hero of mine for years. And, and I invited him on the podcast when I had eight episodes. I had about 10 subscribers. This is in mid-May 2020. And half of them were, were his family. Half of them were my family. And, and he came on and before we even started the podcast, gave me the blueprint for my book, offered to interview me on his 4 million plus social media and to write the forward for my book without wow. me. And, and he did that. And I'm paraphrasing the story because the story is incredible. But now we are friends and we had dinner at his home in Atlanta last year the greatest motivational speaker of our generation. And so my encouragement to you, Nisha, is to, is to think about who do I need to be in order for Dolly Parton to want to write the forward and endorse that book? Imagine how many women would want to read this. How many women need to hear your story? You can see you already make a huge impact in this world. And I know it in, in my own, on my own experience, I did not want to talk about my childhood abuse. Like, <laughs> I would rather die. But then Laban told me one thing that changed my perspective completely. He said, Anna, imagine there is one girl who needs to hear your story that will save her life. And guess what? A few years later, I met this girl. 
She was 11 years old when something similar happened to her. And when she heard my story, it totally changed her life. She wanted to kill herself. She didn't want to leave. And now she's thriving. She's on more podcasts than I've been to. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's amazing. Sharing your story. Mm -hmm. The other thing as well, and, you, you know, can you talk about Nisha with adoration, such adoration, which I, it's, it's really inspiring for me as a man. And I know other men will see that as well. Anna finally felt comfortable sharing what happened with her mother in September 2020. And the mother and the stepfather had been split up for years and years and years. And her mum went full mama bear crazy and called the police. And this was in the middle of the lockdowns. We were in Melbourne, Australia. So we were in strict lockdowns. They, the Russian police subpoenaed Anna to... I'm originally from Russia. Yeah, to testify um, in person in Russia. And the Australian government, given all the information about what was required, the translation of the subpoena and rejected Anna's application to leave the country and then we finally found some facebook groups and the second one got approved and anna flew to russia and got there with a few hours to spare to, to do this thing and and they put her through you know these polygraphs and these physical examinations and they ended up dismissing it because there wasn't enough evidence it's been such a long time 20 years but then anna went to three major magazines there and one of this one of the magazines the largest magazine picked up her story and it went crazy viral. And in Russia, they don't talk about these kind of things in the same way with the same freedom. And why don't you tell them what it happened? From being like totally quiet about my story and it has been eating me like a cancer from the inside, like you said, to telling my story to the whole country, literally. I just realized we didn't have any childhood sexual abuse survivors support in my hometown. And I felt like I want to do something. And so I told my story and one journalist only agreed to publish because it, it was a very heavy story, very heavy. And I had like 25,000 views in the first 24 hours. And I left my email address in this article saying, Girls, if you are going through something similar and you have no one to talk uh, to about this, send me an email. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails from women and men sharing their story with me. Some of them was like really hard to read. And then I realized how many people are still suffering in silence and not talking about this. That's how I decided to start my own podcast and share my story. That's amazing. So this this is you guys are on our podcast. We're not on your podcast, but we think it's relevant the context. So Dolly Parton's going to write the forward for Nisha's book. Uh, Ken, <laughs> Ken, have you got another book on the way? Yeah, I'm working on uh, at least two right now, um, and the the largest part of my uh, process of writing a book the the first few months to few years is just rolling it over in my head thinking about how I'm going to approach it how it needs to be said 
And so I'm I'm in that process with those two right now. Uh, I've got some stuff on paper, not a lot yet, but working on that. Uh, but yeah, I've got, and then, you know, there's, I, I love writing. I also hate writing. And so, it, and it's, it, it, that sounds like those two don't go together, but I love when it comes together. I love that part of it, but the, the, just the, the beginning and then the editing, I abhor the process it is, I have ADHD and it's just, it's pure torture for me to sit down and sit still and, uh, you know, writing the first part is creative. So I'm okay with that, <clears throat> but the editing actually reading something I wrote, it's like, yeah, I know what it says. I wrote it. So why, but that's a necessary process to edit and rewrite and, oh, it's pure torture for me. And so, I have to be in the right mindset to to get started on that part of it. And that's, that's coming up in a few months. I'm going to start doing that part of it, but uh, yeah, yeah. I've got several books in mind. Well, I, that's, it's, it's great to hear Ken. And, and uh, you know, what a lot of people probably don't realize is that up until recently, you two took care of everything. Yes. Everything. And, yes. and I would love for you to share if it's okay, how much better is your life? gotten since you've learned to say no and outsource a number of things uh i mean we did really well it just got to what triggered everything was i wasn't spending time with the kids as much as i wanted to i was like i'm working from home and the whole point i'm not going to the hospital working a 12-hour shift as a nurse so i can spend the time with my kids and do all the things that i want to do when I want to do them and I'm just busy, 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 busy. And when I'm not busy, I'm exhausted from doing all the other things. So I just stopped making YouTube videos. <laughs> then I decided what, three weeks into my YouTube hiatus, I was like, I think it's time we hire some people to come in and help us and also help us reach more people because we had kind of plateaued when it comes to growth. Because we're now we want to do bigger things that can influence paper, people in a different way. Like we would love to do a docu-series. We would love to do small retreats where we can really get to know people and make a difference in their lives. Like these other projects that we've been wanting to do, but we don't really know how to do them. We need people to come in and take over the small things that so we can do bigger projects that really may move the needle, right? Like we can, this is a grassroots movement let's let's do another level to make it even more it reach more people in a deeper way because watching a youtube video that's influence right to, listening to a podcast you're influenced but when we meet people in person and we're able to really get to know them that's an experience they are better able to understand what we're asking them to commit to and why they want to commit to it. And then by the end of the time that we're together with these people, these aren't even our retreats. These are other people's retreats that we just go and visit. They go home and they are changed because they've spent time in an environment that there aren't thousands of other people like the big conventions. These are just like 20 to 50 people. And we want to do things like that because that's, that's a trickle down effect too. When we change those people's lives in that way, 
they go home, they change their husband's life, their aunt, their sister, their cousin, because they're even more invested in their health because now they feel that deep connection to the why, which is a better life to live longer, live healthier and, and be the best husband, best wife, best daughter, best mother, right? All that comes from being a healthy person mentally and physically. And so life is not easier yet. <laughs> We're still in the transition phase of giving these things over to people. So they're learning our ways, learning how we like things done. Uh, we're very picky. I'm I'm a very, very detail-oriented person. Like I like things a very specific way. So they have to come back three or four times still and say, okay, is this okay? And then we're like, no, that's not right either. And so we're still in that transition phase. I think maybe in six months, we'll feel a little bit of that. Ah, there's a load off. But um, just because we we've spent the past six years building this relationship with people, we don't want them to feel like, everything is different because it's not it's still yeah. us talking it's still us speaking it's still us messaging we just have other people doing the tiny things but if you let people do tiny things in a completely different way then it feels like we've abandoned them or something like that so we definitely don't want it to feel like that so we're taking the time to make sure it's done properly the way that we've been doing it for six almost seven years now yeah and when she approached me with this idea of retaining a team of people that would do all the day-to-day minutiae, my first thought was excellent because not, and not for myself, but because I knew, I know what a badass Nisha is, but not nearly enough people in the world know that about her and have had the chance to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the amount of value that, that she can give people, in their life, relationships, health, nutrition, wellness, lifestyle, like the amount of value that she can add to people's lives, nobody has a clue except me. And so when she came to me with this, I'm like 100% yes, pull the trigger right now because it's time for you to shine because nobody nobody knows what I know about this woman. Uh, But they're about to find out because this is going to free up so many hours of her day that she's not just bogged down with scheduling this and making sure this is right and updating this. Now she no longer has to deal with that kind of stuff, which is, is for her to have to spend time doing that is almost a travesty. It'd be like, you know, having Beethoven tune your piano instead of, writing something beautiful. That's kind of what Nisha has been bogged down doing. And I'm so happy that she's free from that. And I want her to take a step back and take a deep breath and go, okay, now where can I really have the most effect in this world? Who, who needs to hear my voice the most? And I can't wait to see what comes of that. Well, any, anything we can do to help you blow that out into the world is the least we can do. Cause this is a great example. You know, we have a limited time and, and we'll, we'll wrap this up in a minute, but like there's a million questions that we have and I know the audience will have around, Nisha, what did you eat specifically from before and after the Hashimoto's that we can't cover in these shorter form podcasts that if it was in a book or in some kind of training would be super beneficial. So it's it's really inspirational for us to continue to keep outsourcing the things that don't serve us very well and and 
we can't thank you enough. I know you probably hear this a lot, but we can't thank you enough for the personal impact that you've had on our lives. And anecdotally, the many, many people that have benefited from you guys having your own massive set of cojones, putting yourself in the gun, having your businesses and house burnt down, you know, under suspicious circumstances because you're trying to serve and help people. And all I want to say on behalf of everyone is to do not stop. Do not give up. I know that you won't, but please do not. People need you in the world. Thank you so much. I don't think we have any plans to stop. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, uh, what are you going to do when you retire? And <laughs> I was like, like that, that concept is so foreign to me that I actually I had to look at them and they were actually serious. Um, and I said, why would I retire from doing the thing that I love most to do, which is to teach and to help and to lift up and to 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 shine a light on truth and health and honesty? Why would I why what would possess me to stop wanting to do that? What are you what are you even talking about? <laughs> and so I think we both kind of feel that way, like you want me to retire from living my well, best life? You... Retirement is <laughs> what people do when they hate their job, mm. right? Even in the blue zones, if we've learned that not nutrition, maybe that's dumb, but there are some things that the blue zones teach us. He just made a Twitter post of it. Well, X, whatever, <laughs> X Twitter or whatever about what we can learn. And one of them was that you need a purpose. And this has been our driving purpose since before we ever met was to help people. It just looks different now than it did when I was a CNA or an LPN or RN or he was a ER doctor. It's just a different version of what we've always done. So we, it may evolve over the years. It may look different. It may be more books. It may be more um, that travel to different places where we can talk to people that maybe don't watch our YouTube videos, meet new people. It may evolve, but it's, it, well, yeah, retirement is just not an option. <laughs> Yeah, amen. Hey, where can people find you guys? Uh, you can find me um everywhere. Uh, no, no, I take that back. You can find him everywhere. I'm on three major platforms, really. My favorite uh, is YouTube. Second favorite is Instagram. And then I just happen to post on Facebook every now and then. So it's, if you just look up Nisha Berry on Google, Everything's going to pop up. I also have a blog, nishalovesit.com. And of course, I'm in our community all the time. We do live streams in there and I talk to people and get to know people a little bit better. It's a lot It's a lot more intimate than Instagram. I can really get to know people in our community. And so that's, that's the main places you can find me. Yeah, and I've got a, a small YouTube channel people can look up. And uh, if I'm if I'm feeling especially snarky, you'll find me on Twitter. And if I'm feeling loving and gentle, you'll find me on Instagram or Facebook. And if I'm feeling informational, I'll be over on the YouTube channel. And and we have a a large private community with thousands of people from all over the world. Uh, we've got some Kiwis in there. We've got people from every country. I don't know if there's anyone. Uh, on Antarctica in our private group, but maybe there's a researcher. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. But we spend a lot of time in there really forging relationships that can help people not only change their life, but keep it changed. Because I think that's something that's often overlooked. 
and uh, we're in there doing lives all the time and answering questions. And so that's where you can find me. And then I've got uh, the lies my doctor told me on Amazon. And I, I've got a new book out called Kicking Ass After 50 that I wrote with my good friend Zane Griggs. That's also on Amazon now available as an audible in case you've got ADHD like me and you have to be doing something while you read a book. Uh, you can listen to that as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Before we go, do you have any concluding thoughts? I'm really excited that we had a conversation that didn't just focus around food today. And I really appreciate you guys having us on so we can talk yeah. about other things that matter because these things matter too. So I really appreciate yeah. you having us both on. Yeah. And just as there is a proper human diet that you must honor for your best physical health, there is a proper human life that with principles that you must adhere to if you want your life to have meaning, if you want your life to touch other people, uh, if you want when your great grandchildren think back about you, those are positive memories. Those are memories of, I'm proud that he was my great grandfather. There is a proper human life and there are principles to that as well. And we're so happy to start talking more about that. And uh, obviously a proper human diet is part of that. But there are, there are other principles to that, that that go along with it, that in many cases are just as important as the food that you eat. So thanks for having us on, guys. You guys are an amazing couple, and uh, we're happy to collaborate anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, Ken and Nisha Berry. Ha <laughs> ha.